It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, we'll preview Hawks and Celtics. Could this be the year, and does Hayward still fit? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. So Hawks up in Boston tomorrow. We start the playing, uh, sorry, the uh, first round of the NBA playoffs tomorrow, seven game series. Hawks will be in Boston on Saturday. They'll play on Tuesday and then come back home on Friday. And uh, that'll be at State Farm Arena. The big thing in this series is the Hawks at some point are going to have to play some defense against the Boston Celtics. Let me give you what some of the numbers are in the splits in the three games that the Hawks and Celtics matched up with. The Hawks allowed the Celtics to score 126.7 points per game. 126.7 points per game. They gave up 52.2% field goal percentage, and they gave up a staggering 46.5% from three. Now, believe it or not, the Hawks out-rebounded the Boston Celtics over the course of their three games. But defensively, this team had all kinds of problems. And look, I've talked about the idea of the Celtics are the second best. I think the Celtics are, my personal opinion. Celtics are the second best team in the NBA. I still think Milwaukee is the best team in the NBA. I think the Celtics are the second best team. Over anybody in the West, Denver, Memphis, anybody you want to pick. Philadelphia, anybody else in the Eastern Conference, Celtics, I think, are the second best team in the NBA. And they are maybe the deepest team in the NBA. But this is going to be the test because the Hawks have not done a good job defensively against the Celtics. And that point total is pretty staggering. Now, the Hawks themselves have scored 100 and, um, sorry, 113.3 points per game against the Celtics with a 46.5, uh, 45.6, I'm sorry, field goal percentage. And they have shot a, uh, just a really low total, 26.7% from three. So the Celtics are shooting 20% higher from three than what the Hawks, when these two teams have matched up, that's got to change. I mean, the Hawks, if they shoot 26.7, look, they got away with shooting 24% against Miami. And they out-rebounded, they out-hustled, they out-toughed and all that, right? We've talked all about that. But if this team shoots 26% from three, they're going to get run off the court. I mean, that the, the, the Heat 
are offensively not the same caliber of team that the Boston Celtics are. Now, one thing about the Celtics, too, is they're going to get Jalen Brown back, who back on April 7th, he had cut his hand while picking up some broken glass from a vase that broke, and he actually had to get five stitches. Now we know that he practiced uh, yesterday, and he's going to be back, so all good on that front. So, again, Jalen Brown is going to be back, and obviously he's one of their top stars, but with Tatum and Brown and their offenses, that the Hawks are going to have to not only play some good defense, but they're going to have to try to keep up and make shots of their own. The Hawks shoot 26% or 24% like they did against the Heat in this game. They're going to get run out of the building. They'll, 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 be, they'll be crushed over it. Because here's the thing. Can Quinn Snyder figure out a way to coach this team up defensively? You know, we hope that the if the pattern sort of holds true that the Atlanta Hawks play up to their competition right so often we see the Atlanta Hawks play up to their competition we see the Hawks play down to their competition we see him play up against Golden State and we see him play down against the Charlotte Hornets so if we believe that narrative and and you know, it may not be a good thing but okay for this round of the playoffs if we believe the narrative that the Hawks aren't as interested in the regular season. They play up to their competition. Then this could be a really good, you know, series. Now, I think that this series is going to go one way or the other. Either the Celtics are going to win four straight, and you know they will they will easily advance to the second round, or this thing will be a dogfight and it'll go seven games. I don't think that there's much middle ground in all of this. I think it's either Celtics control it or the Hawks really battle and they take it to seven games. I don't even know really which one because you're hoping that Quinn Snyder comes up with some new wrinkles and some new twists the way that he did against Miami. And, and part of this is going to be defensively getting after it. Should be a fun series, but the Hawks defense is going to have to kick it in to another gear. And, and everybody's going to have to step up defensively for this team. Sadiq Bey is going to have to play better defense. Trey Young's going to have to play better defense. DeAndre Hunter is going to have to play better defense. It's a tough matchup when you look at the personnel for the Celtics, and that's why they went 3-0. And look, even though that the final game of the regular season was the Celtics in, you know, in blowout fashion, obviously Trey Young didn't play in that game. Obviously the Celtics had some people that were out uh, as well. So I don't know how much stock you put into that, but certainly the first two games you know, in this three-game set had been a situation where the Celtics pretty well handled the Atlanta Hawks. So defense will be the first thing that I'm looking at is, can the Hawks at least be competent on defense? Because you, if you shoot, if the, if the Celtics shoot 52% and they're 46% from three and, and they get to 127 points, it's not going to be a long series. If that's how this thing is going to go, based upon what the Hawks did in the regular season, this will not be a long series. But if the Hawks can continue to out-rebound the Celtics, if they can play some defense, if, if everybody can contribute on the defensive end. I know DeJounte Murray will play good defense, but if everybody else can kick in defensively a pretty good effort, then the Hawks may have a way to, to figure this out. And then the other key is going to be, can the Hawks make shots? Can, can the Hawks score, and especially from three-point? 
They can't afford to shoot another 24% like they did against the Miami Heat. They can't afford to shoot 26% like they have against the Celtics this year. They've got to make some shots. And, and whether that's Trey Young, whether that's, you know, uh, DeJounte Murray, Sadiq Bey, they've got to be able to shoot the three ball effectively. Bogey, I think, is going to be a real kind of key in this, that if they can get him shooting the three ball well, then maybe they stay close and maybe they keep this thing close. But it is going to be a fun series. I, I don't know that the Hawks are going to win this thing. I think that this is a really tough matchup for the Atlanta Hawks and that the numbers have kind of bore out that this has been a tough, you know, go against the Boston Celtics. I think they're the second best team. I think the Celtics are on a mission, but stranger things have happened, right? I mean, if the Hawks can get hot, we've talked about the idea of they can play with anybody in the NBA. Their starting five is capable of playing with anybody, no matter if it's Golden State, Milwaukee, Boston, Denver, their starting five can play with anybody in the NBA. But if they can just find a way to split up in Boston and then come back on Friday into State Farm Arena, now we've got a series. Now we've got a potential series. And we'll see if the Hawks can either win on Saturday or if they can win on Tuesday. All right, let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Listen, as everybody's looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and the calories and everything like that, we've got you covered at Built Bar. Whether you like the traditional protein bars, whether you like the protein-infused marshmallow puffs, we've got all of your different flavors that you like, churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, Built Bar has got you covered. But now you have the opportunity to buy Built Bars in a couple of different ways. You can go to built.com today, order your box of built bars in all of your favorite flavors, and then wait for it to be delivered. But if you don't want to wait, you can go to Walmart in the pharmacy section, or you can go to Sam's Club and go there directly and grab your box of built bars off the shelf. So whether you want to go the brick and mortar route of going to Sam's Club or Walmart, or whether you want to go online to built, obviously your built bars have 130 calories four grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. So whatever flavor you like, and they're always coming out with new flavors, and whatever texture that you like, the, the marshmallow puffs, the traditional protein bars, now you can go to built.com today and grab your box there, or go to Walmart or Sam's Club and grab your box of built bars right off the shelf. So could this be the year? Could this be the year? And I'm talking about Ronald Acuna Jr. So you know, Ronnie is off to a fantastic start this year. He's hitting 370 on the season, a 452 on base percentage, 537 slugging, 989 OPS. He's got nine runs driven in. He's got six stolen bases. He's got 10 runs that he scored. And he's leading the league, believe it or not, he's leading the league in stolen bases. Now, he's also leading the league in thrown out, but again, six stolen bases to two, that's a good ratio. As long as you're two to one in stolen bases, uh, you know, success, then you're in good shape. But he leads the league in stolen bases, and he's also had the most played appearances. And obviously, we, you know, everybody kind of was talking about the idea of this is going to be a year for Ronnie where he's completely healthy. And, and Ronald Acuna has made a, he, he's made that part of what his success has been is that he's talked about the idea of now he is completely healthy, right? This is the first time in a couple of years where he's felt like he has been completely healthy. 
And now we're seeing Ronald Acuna Jr., you know, as a, you know, more physically mature, even at 25 years old, you know, he's got the experience, he's got more physical maturity, and now it is all coming together. And and look, I know it's early, and obviously, you know, there's a long way to go in all this, but could this be the year where he wins the MVP? Could this could this be that breakthrough season where he's the MVP winner standing at the end of the year? Now, he did have the top five MVP award in his second year when he had the 41 homers and 101 RBI and the 127 runs scored, where he led the uh, league in runs scored. He led the league in stolen bases with 37. He led the league in plate appearances with 715. And he played 156 games that year. And he hit 280 with a 365 on base and an 883 OPS. He was almost at that 40-40 season, right? And that's the thing that we've, you know, kind of, you know, everybody's kind of joked about or the idea of, you know, trackers. I know our buddy Grant McCauley is doing a tracker with the 40-40 and different things like that. But this feels like the year where it's not necessarily a breakthrough year, but everything comes together and he could be the MVP of the league. And obviously, look, is he going to hit 370? Is he going to... You know, is he, you know, going to uh, hit, you know, or sorry, have a 537 slugging or a 989 OPS? Now, some of those numbers may stay put. But again, if Ronnie is that 400 on base guy like he's been in past years, he'll have the 40 steals, I think, when all is said and done. You know, if you look at some of the baseball stats that, um, you know, there's been an increase in stolen base attempts. There's been a dramatic increase in stolen base percentage as far as success goes. And the Braves have eight stolen bases with only one caught stealing this year. So I I look at Ronnie as a guy that everything is coming together and and the health is the most important thing. And as long as he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be the leader in the clubhouse. I don't know what the odds are. I don't know what our buddies at FanDuel have as far as odds for who's the you know most likely person to win the MVP in the National League. And he may get some stiff competition from his teammate, Matt Olson, who's off to a great start as well. But it does feel like that everything is lining up with Ronnie being healthy and obviously off to the great start. And obviously with some of the rules that are in place, whether it's not being able to shift, you know, the bigger bases, you know, which is leading to more stolen base attempts. Everything feels like it's coming together for Ronnie to have that MVP season. And, and while he's had some big seasons in the past, he's been a 40 home run guy. You know, he's been a guy that's led the league in runs. He's been, you know, he's flirted a couple of times where he's had 37 steals, 29 steals last year. And had he not have gotten hurt, he would have probably been a 40 stolen base guy last year. But it does feel like that everything has come together for Ronnie. And look, I, I think he'd be the favorite for the MVP right now. I, I think I think he is when when you look at the brave success and everything like that, you know, to use a Reggie Jacksonism, he's the straw that stirs the drink for this team. When when you look at the way that this offense goes and things like that, Ronnie is the guy who stirs the drink. When he gets on base. And he starts running, you know, and he's turned a bloop double, you know, from, you know, scoring from first. I mean, just all of the things and the spark and the energy 
that he provides. And when he's healthy, when he's healthy, like he's not been over the last couple of seasons, you can see that it all starts to come together. And we feel like we're getting the Ronald Acuna that we saw a few years ago, but now he's got the experience, he's got the maturity, he's got the physical maturity, like all of those things that he didn't have in his first or second year, some of those you know nondescript things, all of those things are now coming together. So look, this is this could very well be the year that Ronnie wins the MVP. And if he can keep this hot start, you know, he probably will be a 40-40 guy. And if he's a 40-40 guy, he's automatically going to be in MVP contention because he'll be right near the top and run scored. He'll be right near the top in RBI. He'll probably lead the league, you know, or come real close to leading the league in stolen bases. And if he continues on this hot streak, there's no reason why Ronnie can't be maybe the best player in Major League Baseball. And that's literally all of the things that we've been waiting for with Ronald Acuna Jr. All right, once you make Hitting Hard with uh, John Chuckery your first listen, make sure you go in and leave us a comment because we're honoring our everydayers, as we call them. So leave us a comment. Let us know if you listen in every day to the show. We call it our everydayers. So we want you to leave a comment. Let us know that you are out there in our audience listening in on us every single day. So does Casey Hayward still fit in with the Atlanta Falcons? Now, I've talked about this, you know, the idea that Casey Hayward is a guy that I would like to see be with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, obviously, they can pick up a few bucks in salary cap of he's a $5 million pickup on the cap. I think it's $2 million in dead money. He's he. um uh, is a $7 million contract, uh, or he's on, under contract for $7 million, but they could get $5 million on the cap if they decide to release him. But even if, and, and this is a big if, okay, even if, because there are a lot of people that still think that cornerback is in play at number eight, and I talked to D. Orlando Ledbetter on my radio show last night. Look, I, again, and I understand this, he said that you can't have too many corners in there. Well, you, you also can't have too many pass rushers, but that's another discussion for another day. But I would like to see Casey Hayward here. You know, obviously, he's not maybe the same player that he was a few years ago, and he's 34 years old now, right? But with A.J. Terrell, with Akuda, you know, and Mike, Mike, uh, sorry, um, uh, who's the guy? Mike Hughes in the mix as well. And then you've got, obviously, your rotational guys, the D. Alfords and Cornell Armstrongs and people like that that are all backups and things like that. But even if the Falcons draft at number eight a cornerback, whether it's Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon, right, whoever, whatever name on the back of the jersey is, I would like to see them keep Casey Hayward. Look, they don't need all the cap space, right? They don't need more cap relief. They've got the money. They, they can afford to do it. They don't need more cap space to be able to sign some player out of random or whatever like that. I mean, they're in good shape financially. So it, it doesn't cost anything. Obviously, the thing is going to be about how you play Casey Hayward. If you have Okuda and you have AJ Terrell and you have the number eight pick and where does he fit and Mike Hughes, you know, you kind of run out of spots for all of those guys to play. Now, here's what my gut tells me, though. 
This is what my gut tells me. If they draft a corner at number eight, I think they'll cut Casey Hayward. I think that he will be a, I don't want to say a cap casualty, but they can pick up some you know additional money on the cap. But I do think that he will end up being cut because at some point there is the idea of, yes, we need a whole bunch of corners to cover, but, but you can't play, you can't have 10 corners that are, that are playing out there. And if, so Kuda, AJ Terrell, Mike Hughes, you know, Armstrong, Alford, all of the guys that we have, plus then you throw the number eight pick in the draft in and you would figure that he's going to have to play. I mean, what's the idea of picking number eight at corner if you don't play the guy? I just think that Casey Hayward falls out of that mix. Now, again, that's what I think the business decision is going to be. From a personal standpoint, I would love to have just Casey Hayward here. Let's see if he can be healthy. Look, Casey Hayward can play inside, right? He has done some of that where he's played inside before. He's been an all a second team all pro player on the outside in years gone by. And you you probably are looking at a guy that certainly is not going to look at starting 17 games and playing 90 plus percent of the snaps and everything like that. That's probably not what his role was going to be, no matter what, whether or not they drafted a corner at eight or not. And you figure that. Okay, AJ Terrell will be on one side, Jeff Okuda will be on the other side, and then Mike Hughes will give you some relief, or he'll play inside. Casey Hayward will play some inside. But then if you add a cornerback at eight, all of that kind of starts to get itself downward, where, okay, Okuda, Terrell, they're on the outside. Your number eight pick is probably playing a combination of, you know, he's inside or, you know, he's going to play a significant percent of the snaps. And then there just kind of is a diminishing return on, okay, how much, you know, Casey Hayward at $7 million, how much value does he become? Because again, you've got Mike Hughes and you've got the D Alfords of the world. Those guys can all be rotational guys. But from a personal standpoint, I would hope that they would keep Casey Hayward. My gut tells me from the business side of things that if they draft corner at eight, then they will move on from Casey Hayward. But if they don't draft, if they draft edge or anything else besides corner at number eight, then I still think that Casey Hayward is a viable option. He may not be able to play the majority of snaps and and he goes on the outside, but you could slide him inside. You know, you could mix him up with Mike Hughes and you could have a pretty good secondary. And again, this is all this all revolves around Jerry Gray and I think his influence on what this defensive backfield could be. Right. I mean, obviously, he's been a defensive coordinator. He can help Ryan Nielsen out. But obviously, he made his bones as a defensive backs coach. And again, we talk about the idea of, you know, he worked with Charles Woodson. He was also in Seattle in 2010 when they had Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas as rookie safeties and helped in their development. Right. He's he's had his thumbprint all over some of the best corners and safeties in the NFL. And even if he even if they don't draft corner at eight. I think that with Jerry Gray, I think that with a Casey Hayward, who's a veteran, I think all of those guys could make Jeff Okuda better. Look, they could make A.J. Terrell even better. But certainly Jeff Okuda is a guy that looks like if you can coach him up a little bit more, the sky's the limit. I mean, he's got a huge ceiling that's available to him. And I think he played well in his final year in Detroit when he was past all the injuries and things like that, where he played and started 15 games. 
maybe not always the results that you wanted out there, but with a Jerry Gray and with a Casey Hayward, maybe they can elevate his play when all is said and done. So I want to keep Casey Hayward, even if they draft a corner at eight. I want to keep him from a personal standpoint to be on this roster. But I do think that the business aspect of it, if they draft a corner at eight, probably means that he is a casualty and probably ends up getting released. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuckery your first listen. Make sure that when you check out our podcast and you listen to it, let us know that you're an everyday listener. So leave us a comment, you know, on any platform that you can. Leave us a comment. Let us know you're an everydayer, as we like to say, and you listen in every day, five days a week to us. Also, too, you can follow us for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to all of your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hit and Heart as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll be back with you on Monday. This has been Hit and Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 